I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for joining this week. This week, we're going to cover how to help other people. And last week, I talked about how to ask for help. And if you follow this arc of the year, I talked in January about setting your goals and doing all that stuff for the new year, 2020, new decade, great. But sometimes we, we hit a bit of a snag and we need to, to find help. And so last week, I talked about how to ask for help. And it's, uh, it's a, a very difficult thing for many people to do. Asking for help is uh, just psychologically difficult, and we, you know, listen to the last week's podcast, and I, I'm not going to repeat it here. But today, I want to talk about how to help others because there's two aspects to helping, and the book that really drove this was a book called Helping by Edgar Schein. He's a, a professor at MIT, I think. He's the guy's brilliant, but he wrote this book, this academic journal on how to help, how to offer help, how to give help, how to receive help, all that stuff. So today I want to talk about how we could properly uh, help other people because most people don't like to ask for help, but they're more comfortable giving help or talking about helping others. And here's why. I think that we all like to feel a little superior to other people. And it's okay that we feel that, right? But recognizing that we feel superior when we're helping someone is a very important aspect of helping someone because if we feel superior to someone when we're helping them, they're going to feel inferior to us as they're being helped. And that's not really a good superior-inferior relationship. It's not a good platform for helping. A person cannot be helped properly if they feel inferior to another person. And uh, when we're talking about help, maybe I should put a, a little bit of a framework around it, is help comes in many different forms. Whether it's a question, whether it's um, something major, significant, it could be helping someone move a piece of furniture around a house, something simple like that. There's all kinds of help. And help is all about relationships. We are helping and we are receiving help all of the time. I'm going to cover a little bit about give and take in a little bit. But there are these, you know, the, the economics of a relationship and helping people is part of that. And we like having answers. We like being needed. Uh, we all want to be the hero. We all want to be the savior, the champ. It just it taps into that wonderful, you know, parasympathetic, uh, I feel wonderful about myself because I help so many other people. And uh, so much often that sometimes we just force our help on other people when they don't need it. And, you know, you talk about charity work, volunteering, and, and the positive mindset that comes out of that, the positive feelings that are evoked. Uh, I talk to people all of the time who are trying to leave the corporate world and they say, you know what, I just want to find something with more meaning and purpose. I'm going to go work for a nonprofit. There is this idea that helping other people and doing this type of work is what we're all missing in our lives. Uh, and by the way, a lot of those people who leave corporate and go work for a nonprofit find they're doing the exact same work for a lot less money and they get frustrated and go back. But that's a different podcast for a different day. Uh, I want to be clear that I'm not telling you not to help people today, but I want you to question why you're helping people and how you go about helping them. And when I, when I read this book, Helping, and when I went through my coaching training, 
it was it was a little eye opening to me. You know, I grew up in a family of of six kids, two parents, uh, a small army of first cousins that could probably invade Cuba and win. Uh, there was there were plenty of people, and in an Irish family from New York, there are plenty of opinions, and opinions all of a sudden become unsolicited advice, and I hate unsolicited advice. And so when I, I grew up receiving advice all of the time, all of the time, and maybe I asked for it 1% of the time. And I feel like I was doing that as well for a lot of people. I was offering advice because we can see things. We could see what's going on. We could see a path that somebody's on. We're like, don't do that. And sometimes it's important and it works. Other times it's just because we don't like what they're doing and it has nothing to do with them. But rule number one about coaching and what I learned is that uh, when we give advice to someone who isn't open to it, it ends up not helping them at all. And rule number one about coaching is that it's all about the client. And what is the person across from you need at that moment? And 99.9% of the time, it's not advice. It's questions. And to help someone, we generally don't help people when we just tell them what to do. It just doesn't help. And uh, I'm talking to you people in the office. Uh, when you just tell someone what to do, they just go, okay, fine. They go do it and it goes away and then that's it. But it doesn't change the way. I mean, you can talk about giving a person a fish. They feed them for a day, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but the way to put something into memory and, and to learn it and to change a behavior is by doing it yourself and having that realization about how it aligns to you. And when you're helping someone, what your, your, your ultimate goal as a helper is to drive them down that path to help them have that realization. It's not to tell them what to do. It's to help them have the realization so that they learn from it. And properly helping people requires patience. It requires patience. We could see the path that other people need to take. I do it all the time sitting in coaching meetings, and I just want to blurt out, you know, I know what you need to do, but it's not going to help them. Just telling them doesn't help them. They have to figure it out for themselves. They have to go through the mental processes to figure it out for themselves. We don't like to wait. Things are going too fast in the office. I get it. We've got too many deadlines, too many other things. But when we give someone the gift of time, it's not just sitting with them. It's having patience with them to help them learn. That is the best gift you can give to anybody. It's a, it, When you think about the people who report to you and how you're helping them, your job as a leader your job as a manager, they're both, this job is one and the same, is to make the people around you better. And the only way you can do that is to help them learn. And that's how you give them your time. So this is huge for the office. This is, you know, I think about it a lot in terms of family. I think about it in terms of raising my daughter, how I could best help her. I think about it in, you know, volunteering and community and all this stuff. But when I had my realization uh, I've actually stopped offering help every time I turned around. My life got so much better. And so I don't want you to misinterpret this as saying don't help. But you're going to learn throughout this podcast today that people need to be on the same level as you in order to be helped. And they have to be open to being helped. And you have to lay the groundwork effectively, the foundation, so that they are comfortable to ask you for help. And that is where the real work comes in. And so this is huge for the office. I mean, the, the repercussions of, of helping in the office and being a leader in the office and helping colleagues and everybody else. If you are a helper in the office, we talk a lot about bringing the people with you. 
Okay, we want to, when you're a leader, you want to bring people up with you, and that's good. And there are some people who align with the statement, I am a helper. But for others, it's just not a value system for them. It's not part of their, their values. But either way, helping properly is, in a, is a very effective managerial style that takes practice. And so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer up my helping philosophy. I'm going to talk about what's needed to help. But before I begin, I need to get this big thing out of the way. I'm going to hit it hard. Being a helper is not providing unsolicited advice. And at work, and I was just talking to uh, my colleague Catherine about this the other day, we put it under the guise of helping underperformers. And this is in the context of work. We put it under the guise of helping underperformers. And that's one of the most insulting things that we could do to call someone an underperformer at work. And we had a, a fantastic conversation. It was very brief, but I'm going to continue it uh, just on organizational psychology and how it's a little outmoded. And the real world is a little different than, than what's studied in organizational psychology. And when we call someone an underperformer and how we have to help them, it's insulting. It's insulting to provide this unsolicited, quote unquote, constructive criticism. It's, it's bullshit and it doesn't help. When I grew up, I kind of got both. One was, uh, you know, this unsolicited advice, but I also got my, it was called MYOB, mind your own business. Uh, and that, I think that was my mother's favorite four letter. She would just look at me. I could see it now. M Y O B. I said, okay, I'll mind my own business. Uh, everyone's an expert. When you go to work and you think about right now, how frustrated you are with some of the people at work and you're trying to get things done. Everyone is an expert with their unsolicited advice. And if you pause in the moment when you're receiving this unsolicited advice, think about it and recognize in the moment, you'll feel your skin crawl. If you think about the last time it happened. Because it's frustrating. And we force our help on people all of the time. You should do this, or I think this. And when in actuality, you should be minding your own business. We have people who are fully capable human beings. It's why they got hired. It's why you spend time with them. These people have value. So let them recognize their value and let them figure out what it is, what their next step is going to be. Offering advice without taking in the full picture, without having that conversation is not only not helpful, it's less than helpful. So let me explain the helping philosophy. Okay, We want to help. Everybody wants to help because it makes us feel good, but that's our problem. And in order to help other people, uh, we need to lay the groundwork so they are open to hearing what you're offering. Uh, there was a professor, oh, I forget his name now, but he spoke at one of the conferences and it was great. He was talking about how people like to say, oh, I just wanted to help. And what he says to people who say that is, well, whose problem is that? And when we want to help, we have a desire to help. We have this and we force it on other people. We're making our problem of wanting to help someone else's problem. And it's kind of funny. I like it. But uh, the status between being a helper and helping someone, the helper is automatically a step above. You're not on the same footing. You're not on the same foundation. So effectively, what you have to do in order to help someone is you have to bring them up or you have to come down to their level. Helping has to be a partnership with equal participation. And that's really what, what Edgar Schein talks about in his book. I just wanted to help is selfish. You're making it about you. Helping another person requires that focus on them and a recognition that they are resourceful and that they have value. We operate through our own lenses. 
Okay, and something that makes perfect sense to us won't mean anything, or it could be damaging to another person. Our culture, our gender, our race, our history, our educational background, uh, our friends, our networks, everything, all of this impacts what we think an appropriate next step would be. So when someone comes to ask me for help saying, what should I do? Uh, In the office, we all have very different perspectives. And the next step that I would take is going to be very different than a person maybe of Asian descent from Alabama or uh, a woman of color from uh, Tennessee. Okay. I'm a white guy from New York. And that's a good thing. Okay. It's a good thing that I would have a very different next step because diversity is what challenges an organization. This is why you need all these different types of people. But if I were to just tell this person from Alabama or this person from Tennessee what to do, it may not be the right step for them. And what the way for me to help one of these people is for them to have a conversation with me and for me to ask them what their appropriate next step would be based on their perspective and their history and their background and everything else, because they are doing, they have to live with the results. They are living with the results of the decisions that they make, and it has to fit into their value system and and their value set. So let's talk about what's needed to help. Okay. Rather than just bringing them up, let's get into a little bit more detail. I like the tactics. I like to make people think. Uh, Number one, and this is the foundation of Bellwether. And if you go on the website and you read my website, my firm belief is that everybody has value. Everybody can bring some kind of value to any situation. They have something interesting to say, but they just have to be properly engaged. And so the first step, in my opinion, in helping someone is a recognition that every person is resourceful. And in order to operate, you have to have that expectation. You have to give them the expectation that they are resourceful and have value. Recognizing it is one thing. Showing the expectation to them that that's what you expect them to be resourceful, that is very important for them to recognize their own value. A person's problem is their own problem. They have internal resources to fix it. Sometimes they just need guidance and questions. And your decisions on what they should do only comes from your perspective. You don't have the full story, regardless of all that they told you. Okay, They have feelings, history, background, uh, something that may have impacted them when they were five could be impacting their decision today. You don't know. And they are the only ones who can take that action and live with the results. Some people just don't want to be helped. So why are you wasting energy to try to fix something that can't be fixed? Or why do you even think it needs to be fixed? What you claim needs to be fixed is also only coming from your perspective. So recognize that the person across from you has value, is resourceful, and is capable of solving whatever problem it is that they have. Communicating that expectation is fundamental, number one, to doing it. Number two, understand your role. Stay in your lane. Recognize who you are. Your role as a helper is to develop the person's resourcefulness through good questioning, through challenging them, through supporting them. That's it. You're not giving them answers. Unsolicited advice alienates a person. It does damage, it frustrates, it's not helpful. An allowance of a person to set the agenda for your conversation, they are the person being helped. 
That is the final step. You have to let them set the agenda, let them uh, give up some control. They're giving up control by, by requesting help. They need to control something. It's the agenda. And in a coaching engagement, the client has to bring what they want to work on. For, for me to tell someone what, what they need coaching on is not going to be taken the right way. So when they bring what they need to work on and they're setting the agenda, they are the person being helped. These three steps, understanding your role, recognizing that they have uh, that they are resourceful and have value and allowing them to set the agenda, that allows for accountability. And that person being helped is now a partner in the discussion. They're bringing their own value. They are doing the heavy lifting. If you, as the helper, are doing the work, you're, you're not helping. Professor Columbia, when I was getting co- uh, trained as a coach, certified as a coach, during the coaching program, he said it all the time during the coaching program. He used to joke, if the client ain't lifting, the client ain't shifting. And that's the truth. And when we get to the, the best way to help people or bring them to the realization, it comes down to questions and they have to do the lifting. And if you want to learn about the way to ask good questions, I also did a podcast on that, as a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago. Uh, Remember, a question is a request for information with no judgment and no opinion. It's a request for information where you legitimately don't know the answer. That allows them to answer it in their way. And when we talk about helping other people, I'm going to do one one last thing on here because I, I use Adam Grant a lot in my work. Uh, because he just puts together these nice little nuggets that I can uh, steal, give him credit for, but steal and use uh, in group coaching sessions. So he wrote a book called Giving and Taking, or Give and Take, or something like that. Uh, I'm not going to recap the whole thing. There's a TED Talk on it on YouTube. It's awesome, and that's usually what I show to people in in the group. Um, But effectively, what he says is there are givers, there are takers, and there are people who balance both in the workplace. Okay, And... uh, Takers generally move up pretty quickly. You know, they, they see the world as competitive. Uh, they take more than they give. When you think about the relationship economics of helping people, these people take a lot. Okay, they take all the networking, but they don't really give anything back. The second kind of reciprocity of this workplace environment, this workplace style, is some people balance. Some people take a little bit and give a little bit, and that's good. And they're very fair, and they expect that they will receive a favor in return. But the third, which is extremely rare, are the givers. And these people tend to give a lot at work, and they focus on other people. And they're very generous in sharing their time, their energy, and their knowledge. And Adam wanted to really look at this and say, who are the most productive people? How do you set up your organization with a balance of these people? Who are the people you want in your office? And he did his research. And he did. He looked at, you know, it was a bunch of engineers or something like that. But um, he found that the givers uh, were the least productive people when he looked at productivity metrics. And he said, that's interesting. But then he went and looked at it again. They were also the most productive people. And the people you want in your organization, the most successful people are the givers. And what differentiates the successful givers versus the non-successful givers is burnout. And the way to help this or to foster a culture of helping and giving is to make sure that givers have the necessary resources that they need and the support that they need. And so that they're not giving to everybody else and just a few takers are taking everything away. And helping people, this is something that manifests itself. And the more givers you have in your office, the more other givers are attracted to that type of work. And it 
it's a great book. It's a great TED Talk. It's a great thing to research. There's a whole bunch of writing on it uh, online. Give and Take by Adam Grant. I recommend that. And it's it's a nice, uh, tangible way to think about giving and taking at the office. And that also goes in terms of networking. I do that as a networking uh, exercise as well, giving and taking and how to ask for help and, and offer help and everything along that. So that's how you help people in a 20-minute nutshell. Uh, remember, we have to recognize that people are resourceful and we have to let them do the work. Your opinion doesn't mean anything. And if your opinion is coming out when you're helping people, it may not really be relevant. I like to give my opinion a lot but I generally set it up as a, a, a story and put it in a way that people can take it so that they can apply it to their own lives, and that's it. But they have to make the decisions because the people you're helping are living with their results and their choices. And so remember that. And so also helping you are a bunch of my events. I am setting up events. They are set up. We go on the website, bellwetherhub.com, uh, and I've got a bunch of 5Ks set up, a few networking events. Uh, we're doing some triathlons this year. Come join Team Bellwether. Uh, I really want to see people out there. It's a great time to meet people. I want people to network where it doesn't feel like networking. Uh, and so that's really my goal for these events where you get to meet people and you're coming for a run, but you're really coming to network and you're going to meet a lot of people. It's great. So reach out to me if there's anything I can help with. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to listen and I'm happy to help in any possible way that I can. And with that, have a wonderful and very productive week. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. <laughs>